please stand for the reading of the Easter Gospel. We read from Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so they could go and anoint Jesus. Very early on the first day of the week, at sunrise, they went to the tomb. They were saying to each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb for us? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. He said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. They went out and hurried away from the tomb, trembling and perplexed. They said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. This is the gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Dear fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, our risen Savior. I don't know about you, but I am pretty sick and tired of the whole alarmist climate and culture that we are living through these days. When did we all turn into such a bunch of sniveling cowards? Oh, I know. It was when the whole world colluded together and all of the media and all of the politicians and all of the so-called experts started telling us that the number one virtue you should have is fear. Be afraid that your one mask isn't good enough, so you better layer up with two, three, four, and five. Be afraid that this newest variant of the virus is more infectious and deadly than the one that came before. Be afraid to go to school, to work, to travel. Be afraid to see your grandparents. Be afraid to see your grandchildren. Be afraid to do anything. And even beyond that, be afraid that our economy is floating on the top of a bubble that's about to pop at any instant. Be afraid that our country is so politically, socially, racially, economically, morally torn apart that it will never be healed. Be afraid, we're told. Be very afraid. Enough! It's Easter. And the command of that angel to those women on that first Easter Sunday is still our Lord's command to us today. Do not be alarmed. Why not? Well, let's start at the end. Mark says that after the angel had talked to these women, they went out and hurried away from the tomb, trembling and perplexed, said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Well, that seems like a rather strange response to witnessing the, the empty tomb of your Savior. These women had the privilege of being the first ones to witness Jesus' resurrection, and yet they run away afraid. You would think they would go away dancing and shouting to each other, Christ is risen, I know he is, he's risen indeed. And yet they're afraid. Why are they afraid? I suppose if you backtrack a little bit, you can understand why they would be afraid. They had come to the tomb. They'd woken up early that morning and come to the tomb carrying their spices, 
ready to give Jesus a proper burial because, as every woman knows, you can't trust a man to do a, a woman's job. Nicodemus and Joseph obviously couldn't be trusted to do it right. And the, the biggest concern on their minds was, who's going to roll the stone away? Well, it's a very practical concern. But then they get to the tomb, and the stone is rolled away. That's not right. And there's a young man dressed in white sitting there on the right side. That's not right. Jesus' body is gone. That's really not right. You can understand why they'd be afraid, can't you? Imagine if you, this afternoon, visited a cemetery where one of your loved ones is laid. And when you got there, the grave had been all dug up. And there was some strange guy sitting there. And when you looked down into the hole, the casket was open and there was no body there. Sure, you'd be trembling and afraid and perplexed too. You can understand why they were afraid, right? They knew as well as you do, dead people don't rise. Dead people stay dead. Except this dead guy didn't. Didn't you appreciate how straightforward and transparent the angel was in speaking to them? He didn't try to put any spin on it. He didn't try to sugarcoat it. He just told it to them right like it was. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. In a culture flooded with fake news, isn't it finally good to get just the straight facts? He doesn't whitewash the fact that Jesus had been nailed to a tree where he bled and where he died. He didn't ignore the fact that Jesus' cold dead body had been laid in a tomb and sealed with a giant stone. But, he tells them, that same Jesus that you witnessed bleeding and dying on the cross, he's not here anymore. He has risen back to life. There's no reason for them to be afraid. I guess the real question for us today is not why were those women afraid? Because that, that'd be hard to swallow, wouldn't it? That'd be hard to accept that Jesus is all of a sudden gone. He's not in the tomb anymore. But that's the fact. Okay? That is the fact. And I could bring up, I could cite many other testimonies from Scripture, especially 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first 11 verses, where dozens and hundreds of people witnessed the risen Christ. But I'm not going to do that today because these words are inspired by the Holy Spirit. They stand on their own. This is the fact. Christ is risen. He's not there. It's my job to preach that fact. You can take it or leave it. The real question for us today is, why are we still alarmed? Why are we still so afraid? Now, I know you, you could blame it on the, the circumstances, the conditions, the, the state of our world today. You could say, well, it's scary out there. There's an invisible virus everywhere. Any random stranger, even you, breathing on me, could kill me. All the masks in the world don't seem to help. All the vaccines in the world don't seem to help. It is scary out there. There's violence. There's murder. There's mayhem on every hand. That's not really the reason we're alarmed and afraid, though, is it? No, the real reason that we are alarmed and afraid is because even though we've been baptized, even though we have received absolution for our sins, even though we have received Jesus' true body and blood, for the forgiveness of our sins and the assurance of eternal life, we act like that's not true. 
We act like we are still covered in our sins and enslaved to them. They haunt our thoughts. They creep into our dreams. They disturb our sleep. The people that we've hurt and harmed and failed are right in front of us all day. Maybe they're sitting right next to you right now. The dread of what we deserve. The dread of knowing that God demands that we be holy and we are anything but hangs over our heads like a funeral pall. And we are afraid. Even though we know the facts, you know the facts. Jesus died. He died for your sins. He rose again. He lives. He reigns. He rules. And one day you will join Him. You know those facts. But I'm probably not the only one to have to admit that it's one thing to know the facts up here. It's another thing to live with that confidence that your sins have been taken away. It's hard to be that confident, isn't it? When you know what you've done, others know what you've done, most importantly, God knows what you've done. How can we possibly live confident and joyful in this world knowing what we've done? We know the facts. So why do we still live that way? Why do we behave like Jesus' resurrection doesn't mean anything? Why do we behave like we're still covered in our sins and God is just aching to judge us for them? I think Paul has the answer to that. He says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Well, there's the answer. This whole thing is a hoax. Jesus is still in the tomb. He is not the Son of God. He did not pay for any of your sins. He's still dead. And he's going to stay dead forever. He's lying, rotting in some grave, some cave in Israel somewhere. And none of this matters and none of it is true and we'd be better off on the golf course right now. If that were true, and if we live like that's true, then it's all futile. And don't we live like that so often? We let guilt control us. We let shame control us. We let the sins that we keep committing day after day after day, and we know we don't want to do those things, we let them control us and enslave us all over again. Why do we do that? We know the truth. Jesus' tomb is empty. He carried all of our sins, each and every one of them, to the cross, but He carried them to the tomb. And when those women got to that tomb, where were our sins? Nowhere to be seen. Gone. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So what do you do when your conscience is haunting you? When the sins you can't forget just keep coming back to you in your dreams? When the people you've hurt are right there in front of you and you ache down to your heart? What do you do? You go back to the facts. He has risen. He is not here. This fact means you are forgiven whether you feel it or not. And now, I don't just want you to think about the biggest, blackest, darkest, most wicked thing you've ever done. I don't just want you to even think about the, the greatest villains who have ever lived in human history. Think of Judas betraying Jesus, Peter denying Jesus, Pontius Pilate, spineless Pontius Pilate, condemning Jesus to death even though he knew full well that Jesus was innocent. I don't even want you to think of Hitler, Stalin, Osama bin Laden. I have a very 
specific person I want you to think about today. It's the person or the people that you are going to be gathering with later on this afternoon around your Easter ham or your Easter bunny or whatever you eat on Easter. The people who could care less about this Easter gospel. The people who don't think that being here in God's house to celebrate their Savior's resurrection is important. What about them? Are their sins forgiven? Well, what does Easter say? C.F.W. Walther, the Lutheran theologian, said, Easter is God's proclamation of absolution for all men, for all sinners, in a word, for all the world. When Jesus was hung on that cross, every single sin that ever has been committed and ever will be committed was laid on him. Every sin, every sinner, he paid for them all, for you and for me and for everyone who will ever live in this world. Jesus carried them all to the cross and buried them all in the tomb, never to be seen again. May that fact... Silence your conscience. May it put a muzzle on the devil when he comes to you and tries to convince you that you are still guilty. May that fact serve as fodder for your conversations this afternoon around the Easter table. That fact. That fact, telling that fact to the people who don't think the Easter gospel is for them. Because it is. I'll even give you the, the icebreaker you can use this afternoon. You know what? Pastor was talking about you in his sermon today. You think that would get their attention? You still doubt me that you're forgiven? Let me show you just how forgiven you are. Let's go back to the text. Remember, Jesus had told these women and all of his disciples at least three times in Mark's gospel, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed and handed over to the wicked Jewish leaders, and then the wicked Jewish leaders are going to hand me over to even more spineless and wicked Pontius Pilate, and they're going to hang me on a cross, and I'm going to die. But, but, here's the punchline. I'm going to rise again three days later. They knew this. They had heard this. Then why are they going to the tomb to bury Jesus? They didn't believe. And yet, did you hear the words of the angel? He didn't scold them. He didn't say, oh, you of little faith. In fact, even more than that, he told them, go and tell my disciples and Peter. Do you know how shameful the disciples' behavior had been in the past couple of days? They abandoned Jesus to die on a cross all alone. Peter denied Jesus. Peter. And yet the angel says, go tell my disciples and Peter. You realize what that means, right? That, that even... For people who deny Jesus, even for those who betray Jesus, even those, for those who run away from Jesus and abandon him, he still considers you his disciples because he paid for those sins too. That means that no matter what you've done, Jesus still wants you to be his disciple. He still considers you to be his disciple. He still knows he's paid for the sin even if we can't get that fact through our thick skulls. Our sins are forgiven completely, fully. There's no reason to be afraid of them. 
But maybe not, that's not what has you alarmed this morning. Maybe what has you alarmed are not your sins, but the wages of your sins, which is death. I have good news for you there too. Jesus has kicked the teeth out of death's mouth. If you want to picture death now, picture like a cat that's had all of its teeth removed. The worst it can do to you is gum you up. That's all that death can do. It is nothing more than a nap. And yet we have the same problem with death that we have with sin, don't we? We act like it's not true, like Jesus is still dead in that cave. Instead of trusting the fact of the resurrection, we act like a poem. A poem called The Dash is true. Have you ever heard the poem called The Dash? It's a, a pretty trendy poem these days to be read at a non-Christian funeral. And the premise of the poem is that the entirety of your life and my life and everyone's lives can be summarized in that little dash between the date that you were born and the date that you die. And the message of the poem is that you better be careful how you spend that dash because that is all you get. Once your dash is spent, that's the end. Say goodbye, farewell, sayonara. You understand why that's only read at non-Christian funerals, right? Not only is it depressing and sad and disgusting, there's an element of Satanism to it, teaching us that all we have is this life. That's just the opposite of what God told us. But isn't that how we often live? We often live if that, if it, that were true, that dash on our gravestone is all there is. We talk about the believers who we've loved and have died in the past tense. Oh, she was such a great cook. Oh, he was such a great father. She was such a loving woman. She still is. He still is. If they died in faith, they are not dead. They are living. They are living the life with our Savior right now. And why do we think death is so permanent? Why, why do we behave as if death is the scariest thing in the world? That's how our world is right now. Why do you think everyone's running around with a mask on, fighting over each other to get the next vaccine? They're afraid to die. Because they don't know or they don't believe or they don't care that Jesus is not in the grave anymore. Let's not be like that. Let's not be afraid. Let's not be alarmed. But why do we often act like that? Inconsolable. As if Jesus is still dead. Again, Paul has the answer. He says, if it's true and if we live as if it's true that Jesus is still dead, well, we are the most pitiful people of all because we have placed our hope in a myth. And then, honestly, if that is true, then the alarm bells that are sounding from all of the so-called health experts around the world and all the scientists and all the doctors and all the politicians and all the media and your own groaning, decaying body are not nearly loud enough then you had better go stock up on masks and... Oh, this, did you hear about this because of that big ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal? There might be another toilet paper shortage. So you better go and get all of your toilet paper. You better not just get two shots of a vaccine. You better get four, six, eight, however many they'll give you. You better get them because this is it. This life is it. That little dash on your gravestone is it and there's nothing to look forward to. Then that would be a very good reason to be alarmed. That would be a very good reason to run around scared all day, every day. But, 
Christ is not dead. He's not here. He is risen. He's not in that tomb. He's alive. And Paul says he's the first fruits. That means, you know, if you have a garden at home, probably right around this time, the first little green shoots of your perennials are starting to stick through the ground. And that promises that that one day the rest of your your flower garden is going to grow up. That's exactly what this means. Paul says Jesus is the first fruits. He's already broken through death. He's kicked the teeth out. It can't harm us anymore. And, and you're coming too. You're coming along for the ride. He's going to raise you too. He's going to raise all who believe to life again. That's a fact. That's why we don't have to be afraid of death. Because Christ is risen, He is risen indeed. That's an awful lot to swallow this morning, isn't it? I don't just mean because you just had a big Easter breakfast, but because can it be real? And none of our sins, none of the wicked things we've done in the past, God's going to charge us with anymore? That the death and all those cemeteries we see out there, that's not real? That that's the hoax? That the cemetery, the graveyard, that's the hoax? And not Jesus' resurrection? Wouldn't it be a lot easier if we could just go to Galilee like those disciples and go and see Jesus in the flesh? Wouldn't that convince us a little bit more? No. No. Galilee is a long ways away and flights are very expensive. More than that, we don't need to go to Galilee. Jesus isn't there physically in Galilee. But we have something even better. He promises where we can see Him. He tells us You see me. When I take an adult or a baby in my arms in holy baptism, you're seeing me. Washing that that child or that adult sins away and adopting them into my father's family. When you hear my called servant declare that your sins have been forgiven, have been absolved forever, you are hearing me. That's not his voice, that's mine. When you receive the true body and blood of your Lord Jesus Christ in holy communion, you are not only seeing, but you are tasting your risen Savior. He is right there just as much as you and I are in this room right now. We don't need to go to Galilee. He went there because that's what He promised to do. But today He promises to be here for us, with us, among us, through these means of grace, through the Word and Sacrament, just as He promised. I don't know about you, but I am definitely sick and tired of our alarmist culture and climate. I am tired of being told to be afraid of everything from social unrest to global warming to one of you breathing on me and striking me dead on the spot. I'm sick of it. We don't have to deal with that anymore. It's Easter. Christ is risen. Easter gives us the assurance that That Christ is risen, that's a fact. Your sins are forgiven, that's a fact. Death is defeated, that's a fact. And right here, you don't have to travel any farther than God's house to see Him. That is a fact. You know how satisfying it is to reach over and slam your alarm clock when it's going off in the morning? Of course, that is if you don't have kids. You don't have to wake up every two hours to go to the bathroom. And... 
you can actually fall asleep and stay asleep and you're not just staring at the clock waiting for the alarm to go off so you can get up and get about your day. You know how satisfying that is back when you're in high school and college to slam that thing, shut it off? Or maybe, you know how satisfying it is when you're watching the news and those stupid chirons come on the bottom? Breaking news, something new to be afraid of. Breaking news, a hacker has all of your information. Breaking news, something new is going to kill you tomorrow. To just say, goodbye. I have better things to do with my time than to be afraid. Well, as satisfying as those things are, it's even more satisfying for us to be here today to look sin, death, the stupid alarmist world, and the devil himself right in the eye and shout, shout it with me, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, Alleluia, amen.